Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today I am joined by Novena Carmel. Novena is a co-host of one of my favorite radio shows, KCRW's flagship, Morning Becomes Eclectic. We talk today about how Novena thinks about the responsibility of setting the musical tone and creating a vibe for the entire city of Los Angeles every single day, what it was like for her growing up with a super famous musical father, Sly Stone of Sly and the Family Stone, and in a family of a bunch of musicians and musically inclined people. And we talk about the simplicity of children's books, especially for adults. This month's book club selection is Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop by Danielle Smith. We will discuss the book on May 25th when Novena Carmel returns to the show. As a reminder, everything we talk about on each episode of The Stacks can be found in the link in the show notes. If you love this show and want more of it, join The Stacks Pack. That's our exclusive community for all of you book lovers out there with a bunch of bonus content, including our Discord community, our monthly virtual book club conversations, and bonus episodes. Plus, you get discounts on merch and shout outs on the show. Not to mention, The Stacks is an entirely independent podcast. So the way that I'm able to make this show week in and week out is with the support of people in The Stacks Pack. So if you like what you hear and you want to get involved, head to patreon.com slash The Stacks to join. Here are some of our newest members of The Stacks Pack. Jeff M., Jamie Clay, Beth Ann Ray, Trisha Nositi, Demery Michaels, and Jill Munzer. Thank you all so much. And thank you to the entire Stacks Pack. All right. Now it's time for my conversation with Novena Carmel. All right, everybody, I'm very excited because today's guest is a music person, a music savant, perhaps, I don't know, a very music person who I also know totally separate from her work in like a very weird family type of way. So I'm excited to have a friend and a friend of the podcast, Novena Carmel. Welcome to the Stacks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you. So I guess we always sort of start here, which is sort of boring, but just to give people a sense of who you think that you are, will you tell people a little bit about yourself? They've already heard your like professional bio in the real intro. So this is more of like, give us a little inside scoop on Novena. 
Wow. It's always so interesting trying to describe who you are. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely. I'm a music person, as you said. Uh, I just love music in all of its forms. I love singing, playing music for people, going to live music. I'm kind of like a person who likes to try things before saying no. Um, hence me being here. Yeah. <laughs> I Not love that this. To say no, but it's just like, yeah, sure. Let's talk about books. I'm usually, you know, submersed in music, um, audio, which leaves it so that I don't have as much time to read. But I'm like, let's talk about books. Let's see what comes out of that. And I feel like uh, I am forever young, old soul, timeless. <laughs> when folks ask me my age, I say. They say, how old are you? I say, I'm old enough and I'm young enough. <laughs> yes. And for you guys can't see Novena, but Novena is truly like one of those people that is a light in the world. Like every time Novena walks into a room, I feel like it's just like instantly brighter and like more oh. fun and such a vibe. So um, what is your relationship to books? Um, <laughs> I feel like books are kind of um, like someone... I have a crush on, but don't get to like <laughs> engage with in that person. <laughs> Wait, that's sort of how I feel about music. So yeah. I'm excited. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can learn from each other, I'm sure. Yeah, but I have a bookshelf. There's books on them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to start. <laughs> I start a lot of books and I don't finish them often. Why don't you finish? Because you run out of time or you just lose interest or the book wasn't that good? I think I sort of get distracted, like with other things that are going on, especially these days. I listen to a lot of music and and now I have to listen to music. So it tends to come first. And it's when you're preparing for a radio show, it's kind of like you can never listen to too much or enough music, mm -hmm. especially when you want to know what's new and if it's good and how it flows together. So I kind of I would say put it on the back burner. Um yeah. Can you listen to music when you read or when you're listening to music for work? Are you listening like in a different way than how I just like have music on? Oh, that's a great question. So I think that's the other thing for me with reading is I get distracted really easily if there's any words around me. So if someone's okay. talking, if there's a TV show on or music with words cannot do. But I love listening to music without words um, like classical music or jazz or something ambient while I'm reading, or like when I was in college and writing essays, that was my go-to, you know? And were you a kid, or a, I guess from your childhood all the way through your schooling, were you like, what kind of reader were you in school? Like, I was never, never read the books in school, even though I uh, love reading. I just I always was like, this book is whack. I'm not doing this. Um, It really depended. Um, There were some really cool books that I read in school. And I think that whoever the teacher was always made it more interesting. Mm. I liked a lot of the reading that I did in college, but uh, there was usually too much reading. And I don't know, I don't find like that I'm a fast reader. I think other people might be faster than myself. So there was definitely some skimming, some cliff notes, <laughs> <laughs> watching the movie instead of yeah. reading the book. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but when I was a kid, I loved to read, you know, like I had all the classic kids stuff like Berenstein Bears and okay. um, Sweet Valley Twins. Yes. Uh, the Babysitter's Club. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I love, love the Sweet Valleys, love the Babysitter Club. 
was not a Berenstein Bears person. Okay, I want to talk about your radio show, Morning Becomes Eclectic. It's like a little okay. over a year, right? It's like a year and a half. Yeah. So I've been DJing at KCRW for a handful of years, but um, myself and my co-host, Anthony Valadez, we took over Morning Becomes Eclectic last February. So February 2021. Oh my gosh. Okay. And tell people about it. It's a you're, it's an LA radio show. It's a morning music show. It is it's the only way I learn about new music or any music, old music too. I'm like, every time I listen, I'm like, how have I never heard this song before? You're like, this is some great shit from the seventies. And I'm like, literally never heard this. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love that. It, we kind of try to do a mix of playing songs that feel familiar to people either because they know them or it has an energy of something that they're familiar with, including old music, love putting on folks to Music that might be old, but might be new to them or even new to us because we're constantly discovering. Um, and then obviously new artists, often shining a light on artists that might not get play on commercial radio. Everyone's equal. It's as far as like the consideration of who will play. It's just whoever we feel like sounds right for the show. So you don't have to have a budget or whatever, you know. Right. Um, and it's also about like waking up with Los Angeles creating a sense of community and connection, especially during the recent times when folks feel isolated. Time and time again, people are like, the music is great, I love it, but I also just love your personalities. You make me laugh, you make me feel warm. I really feel like you guys are my friends and you're there all the time. And some folks just love the banter. So it's yeah. kind of, it's it's music is the focus, but it's packaged in this way that's unique to our relationship. And the way we are as humans, um, and Anthony and I have been friends for ooh, a while now, like 10 years, and we did podcasts together before, and we always felt like we wanted to do a real long-term project together. And so this is the, sort of the culmination of that, too. Okay, I have a lot of questions about how you guys make the show, but the most important question to me is, how do you find the music and how do you decide what you're going to play on a given day? Like, how do you two navigate that? Are you like, yo, I really want to play this track tomorrow. Like here it is. Or do you each say like, okay, we're going to switch off. Or like, how do you actually build the soundtrack for the morning for the rest of us? Okay. So we do switch off as far as who starts the show. So it's basically alternating. And pretty much whatever we're playing in our sets, we decide individually, although our taste does overlap and um, we find, you know, the same songs a lot of the time. And typically we don't figure out everything we're going to play in advance because we like to play off of each other. So it would okay. be too much coordination to be like, OK, what are you going to play in, in advance? So I'll think about what I, how I want to start the show. And then I think. Anthony will sort of play off that. And then I'm like, okay, it's been this mood for a while. So let's switch it to this. Or that song reminds me of another song. So I'm going to play that in the next set. Um, and then we also try to make sure that um, as, as a music department as a whole, if there's artists, albums, songs that we're excited about, that we keep those songs in rotation. Because mm -hmm. I, when I first started, I, I kind of had this like, mentality of I don't want to play the same things too much but the average listener is not sitting there for three hours listening to every song so you're actually doing a disservice to the artists if you don't play the songs that you love or the artists you love multiple times so we do have intentions with that and then there's other things too like you know um if it's someone's birthday we may play their music if it's you know something super LA related maybe there's an LA song 
and it can be mellow or it can be something upbeat. And I, and I almost feel like, what is the energy of the day? Mm. You know? Well, is it like, do you feel a responsibility that you're also setting the energy of the day for other people? Like, do you ever come into work some days and you're like, I'm, my energy is feeling like very low stakes. And then you're like, okay, am I going to bring that to all of LA? Or are you like, okay, like I got it. Like I'm, I'm having a personal thing, but like, you know, or do you try to bring in how you're feeling to what you bring to the rest of us? I usually try to think of bringing in an energy that's going to elevate. So it doesn't have to be like, hey, positivity, here's a song that's going <laughs> to lift you up. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people need to have something cathartic, uh-huh. but I usually like at least to start the show, stray away from anything that would sound too dark or depressing lyrically right. or something right. like that, you know, but sometimes the weather can affect that. Like if it's cloudy, you know, what mm. kind of makes sense. But definitely as far as what we're playing and even how we're talking, good morning, you're tuned into Morning Becomes Eclectic. You know, I try to bring that like, hello, you're welcome. We're so happy you're here. We're here together. We also often come right out of the news and, you know, often the news doesn't have the the most um, (laughs) cheery items that are discussed. It's been pretty bleak these days. (laughs) So sometimes it's like, "Ah, okay. Now we're going to recalibrate together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Let's hear something positive. Forget that. You know? Yeah. It's just like a more gentle ushering into the mm-hmm. day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I I love it. I, I think it's like a cool, at least for me as a person who likes music, but isn't like into music, you know, like I'm very whatever is like pop, top available hip hop, like the, the stars, that's what I listen to. I'm not a deep cuts person, but what I love is that I usually think of like DJing as being something that people do at night at the club. And Mm -hmm. what I love about your show is that it's a different form of DJing and it does feel like sort of holistic in the sense that you guys are like curating this like vibe for a city, which is really different than like, Hey, there's 250 people in this club. And it's like, hip hop night, you know, like that's like a very different kind of DJing. And I think what's cool about you guys, it's like you're educating us and you're like setting us up for the day. And like, I'm learning new things. I always forget to like put out my sound hound to like listen, you know, but I'm like, <laughs> but I I just love it. Like, cause it's stuff that I would just never listen to. I would never find it without you guys, which I just, I don't know. I think that's like a really cool thing that you do. I don't know. Is that a, is that a difficult responsibility for you or do you ever think about it in that way? Um, I love it. It's sort of creating a live mixtape and I always love, I love documentaries. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I love documentaries is like information, I guess you could say, I mean, personalities, real stories, but just, I love knowing things. I love learning about things. And Mm -hmm. so, and then when I, when I learn about things, I love telling that story or fascinating fact or whatever to other people. So this is that opportunity to do that, like tell people why this song is important or amazing. And sometimes it's like, like the other day we played a song. It was like a Stevie Wonder cover from the seventies by this Indian band. And it doesn't really like sound good. It kind of, they kind of like are off key. But I love when you know the context that it's like this seventies obscure band from India and it's like how many like hard rock psychedelic bands were doing Stevie Wonder covers at the time so knowing the context 
makes it interesting. And it's not even about always, do you like this song or is this something you can dance to? It's like, what's the conversation around it? Right. And sometimes I wish we could have more conversation because people will have immediate reactions that I would like to talk to them more about, which you can't fully do. But yeah, opening the conversation, adding more context is really cool. And there are a lot of people that say that they enjoy that about the show as well. What's the what was the song so that I can link to it in the show notes so people can um, hear what you're talking about? What I can't even think of the title of the song. That's so crazy. Looking back on when I oh yeah um, that beheaded boy. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, you know the song. Mm-mm, mm-mm, yeah, My brain is is fried right now. I wish. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, and the band is called Atomic Forest. Okay. Okay. I'll link to it in the show notes so that people can listen to that too. Um, Let us know what you think about that version. Yes. Let us know what you guys think. Call in to, what is it? K-C-R- Don't call me. Don't, actually don't call me either. Just call your, call your mom and tell her what you thought of it. Okay. You have this weird, not weird. You have this like born connection to music. Your dad is Sly Stone from the Family Stone, for those of you who are familiar with famous Stones. Um, (laughs) What's it like being a music person with like this famous family thing? Like, were you, when you were a kid, did you know you loved music? Like, was it part of who you were or was it something that you learned from exposure or like I don't know. I'm just, I'm always fascinated by people who are raised with like incredible artists and how they then turn their lives into becoming incredible artists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to know what element impacted my love of music because my whole family is very artistic, like on both sides of my family, my mom's side as well. Um, and my mom grew up in Brazil, surrounded by interesting artists my aunt's late husband was a really prolific bossa nova Brazilian musician. And then my mom just loved music. Like I remember we would, you know, dance to records in the living room. Um, lots of like great 80s records, Guns N' Roses, Michael Jackson, NXS. And then my grandfather, he was really supportive of, of me learning to play the piano. So he bought me a piano when I was like six years old. So there's always wow. been music around me. And probably more so when I was young with my mom's side, because I didn't really live much with my dad. Although sometimes I would go to church, like to hang out with his family. Um, And that was where I felt like I had no rhythm because they would be like playing (laughs) a tambourine so good. And And it was weird. It was like, wow, this I felt like I wasn't really connected to that. And I wanted to be more so, you know, Mm. and um, going into middle school, Well, in elementary school, I I went to a Japanese bilingual elementary school in San Francisco, and it was like a very insulated, lovely environment. And then I went to middle school and it was like a public middle school in the Mission District. And it was it was a great school. It was so cool. But there was like not but and there was even more cultures there. And like basically I went to school and folks were like, you sound white are you an Oreo? And I would just hang out who I wanted to. And like these black girls would come over and be like, you need to get in where you fit in. Are you black? <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I remember being at a dance and I was just dancing and I overheard this Filipino girl say, damn, I thought all black people could dance. <laughs> and I was like, ah. wow. <laughs> <The> shade. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I mean, this is this is kind of an aside, but it, it's just like all the story of like music and rhythm in my life and feeling like, okay, I need to learn how to dance and I need to like learn rhythm a little better, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but as I got older, and then I think all of that stuff kind of made me shy in a certain way, like to put myself out there mm. and to be a musician. Cause it was like those little moments when I did, I kind of was like feeling like I wasn't good enough. And then when I would compare it to actual famous people in my family who were more than good enough, it was like, where do I fit in here? You know? Right. So it took me a while to feel more emboldened. And when I actually started singing is when I was living in Japan for six months and we had a going away party after living there, the the program that I was with, and we performed a song that we wrote and I loved performing it and the energy Mm. was great. Um, So then I was like, okay, I could do this. And so I came back feeling a little bit more confident, but still like, it it is that sense of like, okay, the first time that I perform, people are going to be comparing me. Right. But then as time went on, uh, if I ever felt like I doubted myself in that arena, one of the things that I'll go back to is literally like, I lived in my dad's balls. So definitely some of that <laughs> legendary ability to be great is in me. Right, right, right. Did you, you love, you love documentaries. Did you, I'm sure you saw Summer of Soul. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I definitely did see it. I actually had the opportunity to help out with a little bit. My name is in the credits. Oh, shout um, out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brilliant documentary. Amazing, amazing. Quest it was love. so good. Yeah. I can't even say enough about it. And what I'm really excited about additionally is Questlove is going to be directing the documentary about my dad. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. But that's not, that's like next up for him. Yeah. I mean, he's now winning. He was already super busy. He's yeah. So, but I know it's in the works. So I'm I'm excited. I, I told him I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have doing it. Yeah, I mean, fucking Quest Love, Oscar winner, Quest yeah. Love. Like, I mean, it's pretty, pretty high stakes there. That's yeah. very cool. Okay, before we get off, before we go back to books, mm-hmm. can you just like tell people who are listening to the show who maybe are like me? Because I know a lot of my listeners, we've talked about this before. We like music, but we suck at finding cool music. Where mm-hmm. can we go? What sh- where should we be like listening? Like what's like baby's intro to not just listening to top 40s? Listen to my show. <laughs> oh, but your guys' show is not a podcast, right? They have to listen through KCRW or whatever. Through the app. Through the app. Okay. Anywhere. I'm going to link yeah. to everything. I just listen yeah. off my computer just like when I'm working. Like yeah. I just pull it up. But I did try to find it as a podcast and I was like, I can't find it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not a podcast. You can listen on the website live or the archives you can do the same on the app um any of the djs at kcrw are going to put you on to some amazing music and people find the djs that make the most sense for them you know some people have different styles but i'm not even trying to just hype up what we do but honestly it's a great place to learn about a lot of songs otherwise i mean i don't even know where i find music i yeah i just I guess there's different playlists that I follow and stuff like that, you know, that have some cool stuff, but. And who is like your favorite, super 
famousy type artist right now? Like, so for people who can get a sense of what you like, like who is like the famous version of what you're into? Who's like, you know, you know what I'm getting at? Someone current that is famous that people might know that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did that better than me. <laughs> you can have my job. Uh, um, who do I like? I really like James Blake. Is he famous enough? Yeah, he's famous. He did yeah. a song with Beyonce, so he's famous. Yeah. Um, Rosalia, do you know her? Mm-mm, I don't, but I'm also not a great person. I know like seven artists. So. <laughs> she's she's awesome. Um, Black Coffee. I mean, these are kind of like famous adjacent. He just won a Grammy um Katranata. we do play like the weekend's new album um because it's really cool and interesting wait uh, that's how you say that Katranata. I know exactly what you're talking about but I just always see that because I used to teach spin I used to play their music in my spin classes yeah um but I used to just like be like oh like I you know like sometimes you see a word in a book and you don't know how to pronounce it so you're just like okay then like I literally have never attempted to say that out loud but I know exactly what you're talking about that is so funny Kate Trinata yeah big time Solange would be another one that I sure. you know easily play on the show Tame Impala okay okay um, yeah that's good you've done you've done good um okay <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back with all the book shit taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Book shit time. Okay, I did not prep you. This is the one thing I did not prep you for. This is sort of a pop quiz. Um, We do this thing called Ask the Stacks where someone has written in asking for a book recommendation. So I'm going to read to you what they said and then I'm going to give them three recommendations. You can give them just one. You do not have to feel pressure but it's my job to do three. Uh, okay. okay. So this comes from Julie and Julie says, which this is a great intro, Julie. Thank you for, this is very radio show. Long time listener, first time recommendations. I am an avid reader of all sorts of genres, but I have found myself in charge of a book club with some of my colleagues. We are looking for something to spark conversations among a group of professional women. And we love to learn something. We've read three books so far. The first book is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi, which went over well. We had a great conversation, but we felt it was a little too textbook-like. The second book was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. No one really liked this. Sorry, Brene. (laughs) But I don't think this type of nonfiction self-help is what we're looking for. And then the third one is Men We Reaped by Jesmyn Ward. Everybody loved this. Great writer with a compelling memoir. Went over very well. We laughed. We cried. We loved it. Any recommendations? They're counting on me. So thank you in advance. Wow. I'll go first because I was able to prep for this. You just think of some, a good book club pick. So my first, you guys did all nonfiction. So I'm going to go ahead and just stick to the nonfiction theme with my recs. The first one is The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. It's about the year after her husband died suddenly and her daughter was like in the hospital. She like went into sepsis. Anyways, It's about grief and how we navigate and like memory. And I think that this book, as you all know, I've been obsessed with grief recently. Um, And I think it's something interesting to think about and talk about in community. So this might be like an interesting sort of shift for you guys. My second pick is Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, which is about um, Brian Stevenson is the activist lawyer. He does a lot of work uh, or he does pretty much all his work in getting people off death row, uh, protecting young people who are juveniles who have been convicted to life in prison without the possibility of parole and or death. Um, And so it's a book sort of about the carceral system. And there's just so much to talk about. It's also just a fantastic read. So even if the conversation isn't as poppin' as you'd like, you're all going to love the fucking book. I promise. It's so good. It's one of my favorite books ever. And then my third one is Stakes is High by Michael Denzel Smith, um, who was on the show last year. And his book is sort of about like the American dream and what it looks like and how it has maybe changed for him, a black guy in New York after Donald Trump's election, but it's not like election-y, but it was inspired by that. It's just really well done. And there's a lot to talk about, like how we're all implicated in a lot of things that we would like to pretend like we're not a part of. So I think that one's ripe for conversation. So those are my three picks. Novena, any book club pick recommendation? Oh my God. Those were sound like some amazing picks, Tracy. I was really hoping that while you were talking, I would think of something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did not. I mean, there's books that I love that I recommend to people, but I don't know about for a book club to have conversation. 
Well, what are some of the books that you like to recommend to people? Oh, I just love the book of joy. That's like my favorite book. Um, I feel like that would be great for conversation because people could talk about the different ways that they engage and participate and practice joy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Don't you think that would, I would love that. Yeah. No, I, all of mine are depressing. That would be very fun. I'm telling you, Novena is a light. She's a light. My God, I am a light putter outer. (laughs) The book of joy, if you're not familiar with it, is, um, there was an author who, followed the conversations of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, who are old friends. Well, of of course, Archbishop Desmond Tutu passed away recently. Um, And they're both individuals who have been through really hard times throughout their lives, but have remained joyful. And the conversations are, there's excerpts from them And then sort of like paragraphs that are written by the author who put the book together. And there's just so much goodness to me. It's like a Bible. And if you're in a place where there's, it even touches on, you know, like it's very, um, it's not possible to just be like, just be happy, just be joyful. But because they've been through so much, they have these really cool examples of how to find something Mm-hmm. regardless of what situation you're in. And I just love it. So that sounds thing. like an incredible book to talk about. <laughs> Are you kidding? Um, okay, Julie, if you read any of our picks, you have to let us know what you think. Everyone else, you can email askthestacks at thestackspodcast.com for your book recommendations. Okay, two books you love and one book you hate. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't hate any books. I've forgotten. I've, I've, Cut them out of my memory if I hated them. I have to answer that. A book well, that I-, I mean, I don't know. Didn't you read something in school you hated? I, I don't pe- remember. Oh, people are always like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, all I do is hate books. Like, I, I, I remember every book I've ever hated. I hate every book I've ever read. I mean, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, if you really can't remember one, that's okay. But maybe okay. one will come to you later. Yeah, maybe. My uh, a good friend of mine, he told me something that his grandmother said, which is I've been blessed with a bad memory and mm. I really related to that sentiment. I am the opposite. I am like <laughs> I remember every little thing my family like despises this about me. They'll be like, "Oh, we da, da, da. I'm like, "Actually, it was a Tuesday because the trash got picked up that day. You guys don't remember yeah. that?" They're like, "It was 1994." I'm like, "I know, but the trash came." No. I mean, sometimes it's bad, though, because I'll be talking to someone and ask them if they've seen a movie. They're like, yeah, we saw it together. (laughs) (laughs) That never happens to me. I cannot relate to this at all. But that's great for your work. I mean, reading books. I feel like if I read more books, I'd have a better memory. (laughs) I don't know. I, I do forget a lot of things that I read, like for a lot of books. I know that I've read it, but I can't always remember like what it was about. But I can usually can remember how it made me feel or like if it like irritated me or like if it reminded me of something. But I often cannot remember the actual plot of a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about two books you love? You must have that. Well, I mean, I love the book of joy. I just mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I love, love, love it. Um, Another book that I always think of is A Small Place by Jamaica Kincaid. Okay, I never Um, read that. It is one that... I think I read it in college or it may have been high school and it's very short. And the way that it's written is really interesting. It talks to the reader, like in the third person, it's like Mm. you, this, you, that you think this. And um, 
it's sort of like based on an island and Jamaican King Kate is also from an island. It's based on the island Antigua and it's juxtaposing like the tourists vision of what it means to go on vacation and visit an island versus mm-hmm. what the experience is like for a person who's from there and mm-hmm. how one person's vacation can be another person's prison. It's very simple, but very deep at the same time. And Ever since then, whenever I travel, I think of that book and how I am interacting with the culture of a place that I go to and not wanting to be like an ugly tourist. (laughs) Yeah, that also sounds like a great book club book. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, that could be actually. You're right. My favorite book this year is this book called this or one of my favorite books this year is called this book called The Swimmers. And there's sections of the book that are also in that you voice. And it's like Mm. exhilarating to read Mm -hmm. that. It's just like it's so because it's like an indictment on the reader. Like all of a sudden you're part of this thing. Like it's like you can't escape it. You can't be like, oh, that's someone else. It's like, no, you I'm talking to you, dear reader. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, too, because being on the radio, one of the big notes that I got is to always say you as much as possible, Mm. not you all, not everybody, not even I, not us, to say you as much as possible. So the power of that, instead of saying like, oh, here's a song that I really like because it reminds me of, you know, going to the beach and swimming in the ocean, it's more powerful to say if you've ever gone to the beach and walked into the water and feel the water going up your legs and you hear the sound of the waves and the sun beaming down on you and the smell of sunscreen, that is what this song might remind you of, you know, something like that. Yeah. Oh my God. You're so good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Professional radio person go off. I love this. I can't wait to listen to this song. I'm going to try to start doing that with this show and people are going to be like, what is she doing? Like, you are going to love this book. You open it up, you turn the pages, you read the words. It's a vibe. (laughs) It does. It really puts you right in the moment. Are you reading anything right now? So there's a DJ named Natasha Diggs who's absolutely fantastic. And she's one of those people that it's like everything she does is a recommendation. So she like wears clothes and you're like, I want those clothes. And she has 45 records and it's like, oh my God, your taste is amazing. She's eating food and you're like, I want to eat that food. So she recommended this book from a local bookstore in New York or something like that recently. And I picked it up and it's actually based on the essays of this um, old Sufi philosopher. Um, I believe he was Indian. And it's talking about how there's basically music and vibration and harmony in the in the universe. So it's sort of, uh, you know, you can think of music as this thing that you listen to or whatever, and there's like, you know, the rhythm of the music, but he's showing all the ways how that is in everything when you are vibing with the person. I mean, even mm-hmm. the word vibing, it's like vibrating. Right you're in harmony when and then it's like musical you know and the way that he writes it it's just ooh, it feels like so delightful and the book is um it's called the sufi message of hazrat inayat khan and this volume that i'm reading is called the mysticism of sound do you read a lot of books about music i read a lot of articles about musicians okay um, maybe not like, like profiles entire- yeah, like if there's something, 
you know, different articles that are online, I guess you could say that are published yeah. online. Um, or just like, if I want to learn more about an artist that I'm talking about, I just find everything. I, can. I mean, even, even I'm interviewing artists all the time, right. You know, right. So it's like learning more about them. But the thing that I love about this book is I'm really into sort of like esoteric things, spirituality, stuff that we feel elevated, hence the book of joy. So this is sort of like a combination of two right. I love, you know, and how yeah, like music and the esoteric world. <laughs> yeah. And how it really is one in the same. And, you know, a lot of people say music is healing and, and this kind of like dives into why it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I again, I don't know that much about music. I know how music makes me feel, though. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all I do know. Like, yeah. I, I feel like music holds so much, like memory. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much in music that's like you can hear a song, and you know, people always talk about this, like instantly being back in this place, or like it yeah. brings up things. And I feel like of all the art forms, music is the one that most does that for me. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I also just listen to the same music because I'm like in this like nostalgia place or something. I don't know. But my kids, you know, they're really little and they have like discovered music that they really like. Like we never used to listen to Dua Lipa, but for whatever reason, they love Dua Lipa. Like go nuts cry when we turn it off, like obsessed with her. And so it's become this thing where it's like we like Dua Lipa is like my number one artist on Spotify, even (laughs) though I never listened to her before and don't listen to her when they're not in the room. But it's like interesting that they've like picked up like that you have taste in music, even from a young age that like isn't necessarily taught to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And there must be like a simplicity in there or something that's speaking to them as kids. It's really, really interesting. There's that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that you can approach music, which is, I think, the other thing of why it's like the universal language and it works for nearly everybody. There are some people that are like, music doesn't do anything for me, which I'm just like, wow, that's I know. I I don't understand that. I I know that there are people. And then like, I know that there's obviously like music is a is an auditory art form. So like people who can't hear, obviously, they don't have the same relationship to music that we would have. But even still, there are plenty of people who can't hear who do have relationships to music, which I also find to be very interesting that like that is still something that they respond like that they can respond to. Mm -hmm. I was with someone recently that didn't have the ability to hear at a live show and she was loving it and she was she could feel the vibration in her body and just like the energy of what the performers look like. Yeah. And yeah, it does go back to that. It's not just about hearing it through your ears, but it's like a feeling. Right. Um, and the culture that surrounds it too. Right. Right. The cult. That's what I see. That's what I'm not plugged into the culture of music in a lot <laughs> of ways. Like, I mean, you know, sir, in some ways I am, but like the music, like a music festival would never <laughs> see me there. Not once in your life. I'm like, no, the Coachella, my nightmare. Can't well, believe people one, go. That's one example of culture, but it's also like if you had a couple folks over for wine and there's like jazz yes. playing in the background, it's just an element that adds to whatever the experience is. And it's an easy go-to element that that most people can find something that works for whatever the environment is. Yeah. And I feel like the other thing is like music is for me at least, it's like a talk, it's like a gateway. It's like a thing to talk to people about. 
it's like an it's an invitation for conversation. I think a lot of the times, like you put it on, it's like, oh, what are we listening to? Oh, yeah. let's talk about this thing. So yeah. we have to talk about the weather. But for me, books also do that. But it's a little it's a little bit harder because not everyone's into books, right? Like books is a little a little different, a little higher barrier to entry. Mm. Though I do think everyone has a relationship to reading and books, but sometimes it's just harder to get at to get in to find the like key on that. Okay. How do you decide what you're going to read next? I usually decide what I'm going to read next just based on someone talking about a book. And I say, ooh, that sounds cool. That'll be one way. Another way is if someone trusted gives me a book, which has happened recently. um, And then, you know, I'll read that. Or if I'm looking for help in some kind of way and it's like, I want a book for that, you know? So if it's like a spiritual, if I'm like, I'm feeling really not grounded, my spirit is off. I'll look into what book may help with that. Like you'll just Google it. Google it or ask around, maybe tweet an inquiry into the map. Um, (laughs) Uh Oh, yeah. One that's like on my shelf that I haven't even started. And I'm like, Oh, that's, it's the time to read that. Right, 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 right. What's the last good book someone recommended to you? My neighbor and really good friend, she's an amazing writer and poet. Her name's Aja Monet. Everyone should read her poetry. She's fantastic. She actually gifted me a book for my birthday. It's a children's book and it's called, What Do You Do With an Idea? Mm. And she said it's one that's always inspired her. And I think sometimes it's just those simple books that speak to who we are inside because it's like our our I mean I don't want to say inner child that sounds so cheesy but there is like a, a kid in us that's always I think searching for something so I don't know books sometimes just finding like a simple kids book can be really special <laughs> yeah no I think because like we complicate things so much yeah yeah uh, exactly we complicate things and that's what it is sometimes kids books help to remind you how to find the simple pleasures in life Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I've obviously been reading a lot of them, which I hadn't since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is a good message. Like, yeah, it's helpful to be like, there's this book that I love that my kids have. It's called like Little Monkey Calm Down or something. And it's like the monkey spills his ice cream. And it's just like one sentence per page. It's like, poor little monkey. He's having a hard time. He's feeling sad and mad and angry. Like, it's okay to cry. Take a deep breath snuggle with your blankie, be still and relax, like sing a song, feeling better. Great. Let's go have the rest of our day. And I'm always like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Like fucking. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like, you're upset. Acknowledge it. Let's fucking go on. Like do your coping, take a second, feel shitty. And like, can re-enter. And I feel like as an adult, it's like, I need to call everyone I know and scream about it and tweet about it and like be mad for a month. And monk- little monkey's like, no, just snuggle with your blankie. <laughs> Are there genres that you, you've talked about genres that you love. Are there any genres that you just will not read? Um, Genres that I will not read. I don't think, no. <laughs> no. you'll try anything you'll try anything once okay that's good do you ever do audiobooks I haven't done audiobooks in a while I think that it's been replaced by really cool podcasts like the stacks 
Hey, um, shout out. <laughs> Product <laughs> placement. <laughs> An audiobook is something that I would, you know, listen to, be more likely to listen to like while I'm driving somewhere, but I yeah. um, have done that more with podcasts recently. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like you're also like, um, you listen to a lot of stuff. So I feel like maybe unlistening is like nice. Like reading, it would be like an escape or TV or whatever. Totally. And that's why like, I prefer actual books than even reading it on like a Kindle or an iPad or whatever. Cause it just feels like a more tactile experience that's different than being on the computer all day, which I am a lot for work as well. So yeah. Right. What is your ideal reading setup? Like, where are you? What is a time of day? Do you have a snack or a beverage? What's the temperature? What's the vibe if you're in your dream reading place? Ooh, I love that. Well, the most likely place is just somewhere at home at that point in the day where it's really quiet. Maybe there's some birds chirping. I would do it on the couch with a little bit of pillows propped behind me. I don't need a beverage or anything because, like I said earlier, I don't need any distractions. Okay. <laughs> My phone is like silent. It's somewhere else. It's not near me. Maybe a little incense burning or something oh, like that. Sage. Okay. okay. Super cozy. I live for cozy. But also, like, if I could be somewhere else, like at the beach, mm-hmm. reading with the waves, like any peaceful environment like that, um, just wherever. There's as little distractions as possible. And if it is a sound, it's a consistent sound like waves happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite bookstore? Oh, um, I don't get to go to the bookstore a lot, but um, I always just think of Essawan Books in Park, just because it is iconic and fantastic. It's black owned and that's all I need. That's my favorite bookstore as well. There's a new Black-owned bookstore in Inglewood called The Salt Eaters that's Black, queer, woman, femme-owned, and books. So all books by Black women, femme, non-binary, transgender authors. Yeah, it's really, really cool. You You also just reminded me of Reparations Club. Yeah, Reparations Club is another one. Which is Those are my three fave Mm -hmm. bookstores. Okay. This is sort of our lightning round. Uh, what's the last book that made you laugh? Um, okay, definitely laughing in uh, George Clinton's memoir. And okay. the title is very long. It's something like, they be like, hey, yo, George, ain't that <laughs> kind of hard on you? Like, that's the whole right. title of the book. And I'll link to everything in the show notes for everyone. So don't worry. What about a book that you're embarrassed that you've never read? Embarrassed that I've never read? Okay. Um, I don't think I've read enough Toni Morrison. Maybe I haven't even read Toni Morrison, to be honest. I should read more Toni Morrison for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you would really like Toni Morrison. I feel like you should start with Sula. I think you would dig it in a big way. I feel like there's a number of powerful Black women authors that I need to that I want to read more of. I mean, same, hard, same. I feel like there's a lot. I, cause I feel like part of it is like, we're not taught about them in school. And then all of a sudden you spent all this time reading all this stuff that was like not that good or 
important or relevant, like relevant to your life. And then you become an adult and you're like, oh my God, I have to catch up with all the Tony Cade Bambara and Tony Morrison and Alice yeah. Walker and, and Jamaica Kincaid and like all these yeah. women where I'm like, how come I wasted my time with John Steinbeck? I was recently reading uh, a book of stories from Octavia Butler mm. and I never realized like how she was like ahead of her time science fiction writer. Oh yeah. She like, was, I like, was like, this is sick. This is like some matrix, like far out, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, she was like a real like visionary. Like yeah. she was her book parable of the sower. I finally just read it and it's set in starts in 2024 and like, it's like a dystopia in California. And it's like, the sky is full of smoke from all the wildfires. And I'm like, how did she know? And it's like, mm -hmm. the, like the president is like basically a Donald Trumpian kind of the guy running for president is like basically Donald Trump. It's like wild. Like yeah. she really just could see the world. Like she could see us. Yeah. That's just and like wild. The one that's mostly in conversation is like George Orwell, 1984. And it's like, let's put that in the conversation too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think always. It could be Orwellian. It could be Butlerian. Exactly. It could be butler butlerin. Maybe it will start being now that we're getting to 2024 and Parable of the Store. We can change the narrative. Um, okay. A favorite book from childhood. I know you mentioned Berenstein Bears. My favorite author from childhood was Roald Dahl. Oh, yes. Um, which I think now when I've looked into who he is, he's kind of like problematic. Yeah, he was like a Nazi, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he was a damn good. But those books slapped at eight years old. I was like, yes. I was like, James and that peach, my guy, all those bugs. James and the giant peach, the twits, the BFG. The witches, Matilda, the witch. oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Never he had bangers. Bangers, <laughs> hit after hit. Yes. Yeah. So, and it was kind of weird and quirky, you know, like. Yeah, really weird. Um. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. If you were a high school teacher, what's a book you would assign to your students? I really like the book, The Untethered Soul. Have you read that? No. It's by Michael Singer. I think that's his name. And for me, that was a book I haven't, sometimes, you know, like if you go back and read books, you're like, mm, it's not hitting the same, but I will say I read it when I was like in my mid to late twenties or something. And it was like during a time where I felt really like I was just like spinning off of course, not any way that anybody would know, but just like with how I was viewing myself and my purpose and reading that book totally gave me a new perspective with, with how to interact with the world. Mm, I love that. Mm. Okay, I just have this one last question for you. I stole it from the New York Times. It's if you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? Joe Biden hollers at me, Novena, what book should I read? He needs to read something that's just like, you know, give him a little more. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he definitely needs more. Uh. You know, um, he needs to read like whatever is the most potent thing that James Baldwin has ever written or something. Like yeah, that. I agree. He could definitely afford to read some Baldwin. That's very good. Yeah. something. Like I love that. it. I love this for Joe. Joe, you need to read some James. 
read some James. I was uh, also you had your prompts, and I think one of your questions was like one of the most embarrassing books you've ever read. Oh yeah, sure. Which I'm happy to answer. Although I can't really re- remember the name because I've blocked it out of my head. Okay, well I'll but try I to remember for you. Page, and I was like, um, it's not even really an age. It's more so like so much time had passed before I was meeting a man that I felt was right for me. And I was like, you need to approach this a different way. Let's like, let's get down to the basics. And it was something, The I, I think I threw it away because now I'm in a relationship and I didn't want anybody to see it. Um, <laughs> but it was something like how to marry a man or something like yeah. that. It <laughs> like, wasn't, was it, was it act like a lady, think like a man by Steve no, no, Harvey? No. Oh, cringe. Yeah. I've read that. I've read that. It's really... Yeah, no, it was it was something like that. And it was just going in on how like men and women are different. And like it was it's an old book, too. And I was like, maybe if I just read something traditional, it's just like maybe I'm (laughs) ahead. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did it any of it did any of it resonate or was it all just like yucky? It was it, it kind of resonated. I mean, just kind of I think thinking about like the different communication styles of people in I general. See. Yeah. Um, so maybe it hit that, but, and it also reminded me of reading this book in college in communications class called you just don't understand. And it's about <laughs> how men and women communicate differently. And I'm like, I wonder if they still use that book. Cause it feels very dated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. We're done for today, but Novena will be back on May 25th. I'm very excited. We're going to talk about music, pop music, black women. We're reading Shine Bright by Danielle Smith. I'm really excited because she's a Bay Area gal like us, and she's really great and brilliant and has a really interesting story. Neither of us have read the book yet, so I don't know if it's any good. I've heard it's good. She's a great writer, um, so I'm excited. So everybody get your copy and uh, make sure you listen to Morning Becomes Eclectic. If you're in LA, you can do it on the real radio. If not, you can do it online or through the app. Novena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I said something interesting. Oh my God, you're so interesting. And oh, remember next time we're gonna have to tell people how we know each other because it's like the weirdest, most roundabout way that you know my brother. That anyways, we'll talk, we'll tell the story. Okay, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. That was a teaser. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys in a few weeks. Novena, thank you. And everybody else, we will see you in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you to Novena for being my guest. Remember, this month's book club pick is Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop by Danielle Smith, which we will discuss on May 25th with Novena Carmel. If you love the show and want inside access to it, head to patreon.com slash the stacks to join the stacks pack. And make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram, at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. This episode of The Stacks was edited by Christian Duenas with production assistance from Lauren Tyree. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 